Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and as always, we come together three times a week, sometimes more, but generally speaking, three times a week, to discuss ways that our lives can be so much better by serving the Master and by looking to Jesus and living a life as He would have us live. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you're more than welcome to. We would gladly benefit from that, and we would be thankful for you in doing that, and you can find those links in our show notes. We started talking in the last episode about the first century church's idea of evangelism, and we discussed how they always made sure to be trying to preach the gospel to people. They were personable about it. They went into people's homes. They did everything that they could to preach and teach the gospel. And today we come to another opportunity to discuss the apostles' idea of evangelism. Now, I know, and I wouldn't have anything against saying that they were a part of the first century church, because they were. They were members of the Lord's church as well. But there was a distinction made because not everybody could be an apostle. And so the apostles were people that met certain qualifications and were tasked with getting the word out as well, and they had to have a specific mindset about evangelism. So as we talk in this particular episode about their idea of evangelism, I want you to note that distinction. They were members of the Lord's church, but they were also men who meet certain who met certain qualifications, I should say, that others did not. They had miraculous power. They had the ability to lay hands on people and give that miraculous power. But if I, in that time, were to go to an apostle and get miraculous power, I couldn't then turn around and give it to you because I'm not an apostle. And so I want to look at some things that they understood about evangelism, three things in particular. And the first is that evangelism to them wasn't a suggestion. You know, from time to time when I grew up, and even now, people will suggest things to me. Because it's a lot easier to suggest something than to command something. For whatever reason, it comes across a lot better. My mom and dad would often suggest that I go clean my room. Or they would suggest that I take the trash out. Or suggest fill in the blank. But then there are other times where my mom and dad would simply say, take the trash out. Not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Something that I've got to do. My mom might have said to me on one occasion, Michael, when you get the chance, could you, let the tra- could you take the trash out when you have a moment? She's not telling me in that moment to drop everything that I'm doing and go take the trash out. But if she were to say to me, Michael, take the trash out, I'm obligated to do that absolutely as soon as I possibly can. I don't get to finish my game. I don't get to paw. I I do everything I can to get that task done immediately. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus tells his disciples, and as we know them, the apostles, he tells his disciples to go and to preach. Specifically, the command is that all authority had been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth, and that they were told to go and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This was not a suggestion by Jesus. It was a command, something that they had to do. They didn't get a choice. They didn't get a say. They had to do this. Paul would write on one occasion, As much as is in me, I am ready also to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. Paul understood that he was expected as an apostle to teach and preach the gospel. He went on multiple missionary journeys as a result of this. He wrote multiple letters to churches as a result of this to try to help them set their house in order or simply in the case of First and Second Timothy, encouraging a young preacher who is trying to navigate the realm of preaching. And I understand that they took this commandment exactly as a commandment. When I study like the book of Acts in Acts chapter 5, I see the apostles going into the synagogues, going into the place, and they were healing and teaching and preaching, and the chief priests, the synagogue, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the individuals, call them in. Stop doing that. Stop preaching, stop teaching. Okay. But they didn't. Because the Bible tells me they went right back to doing what they were doing. And at a certain point, they were asked, Didn't we expressly tell you not to do this thing? Didn't we tell you that? Yeah, we, we, you told us that. But I love Peter's response. We ought to obey God rather than men. Now these are the high priests. I said Pharisees and Sadducees earlier. I don't know what I was thinking. The high priest and the chief priests, they hear these things. They want to know what's going on. But I want you to notice something that's amazing about this. We ought to obey God rather than men. That tells me that this suggestion that some might want to say, well, that's just a suggestion to really preach and teach. It's not. Because when he was told by man to stop doing it, he said, no offense, but I'm going to obey God rather than you. I'm going to do the right thing. And they wanted them to stop. But I'm going to do the right thing. Because I've been commanded by my master... To preach his message to people who are dying and lost. And nothing's going to get in my way. You can beat me. And that's exactly what happened in Acts 5. But they went away in the end of Acts 5. In verse 41. Rejoicing. And then went back to the temple daily. And did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This was not a suggestion for them. It was a command and they treated it as such. Secondly, and this is important. They would not have a ton of followers. Don't you like having a group of friends that you can lean upon and trust it's a really good thing to have good people who will give you a, a lot of good advice. 
I'm blessed in my own life to have people that I know if I get into a pickle, so to speak, that I can call them. I can ask them, hey, what would you do in this situation? What could we do? What should we do? But the disciples were told in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It reminds me of a situation where Jesus is approached by different people who said, we will follow you. We're going to go wherever you go. But first, let me do such and such, or I need to do this first, or let me go and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus informs all of these individuals that They weren't ready to follow, and they weren't ready to serve. You mean to tell me that I become a Christian, and I may not have a lot of people looking out for me? Well, sometimes we might over-exaggerate that thought. Because in truth though we don't see it, every Sunday if you are assembled together with the other members of the church, you're seeing people who are trying to do the work just like you are, hopefully. And if you're not, hopefully you can correct that problem to where you do see those types of people. But there would not be that many laborers according to the disciples and what Jesus told them. I've heard something from my father, and I know he's heard it too from his father, my grandfather. And it's always stuck with me. The idea that there are people in this country and in this world who are doing so much for Christ and so much for his church, and we don't even know who their names are. We don't even know who they are, what their names are. Where do they live? Where do they worship? Did you read their articles that they wrote and how great they were? Did you listen to their sermons on their website? Man, they can preach. No, they're not on the lecture circuit. They're not doing gospel meetings all the time. But the Lord is still looking at them as some of the greatest followers that he has in his kingdom. Why are we in it? Recognition or because we love the Lord? There are people in this world who have tons of followers. But what are they following? The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few, so pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The idea there is, while you won't have a lot of followers, you can pray to God to help supplement and to help build up the team, so to speak. You know, it's incredible watching teams in the NFL from year to year who go from worst to first, so to speak. I know every year you have your typical powerhouse conferences in the AFC and the NFC and the teams that reside in there that pretty much every year people are going to bet and pick to go to the playoffs and even go to the Super Bowl, but 
almost every year, that fourth seed to sixth of the playoffs is filled with teams in at least one capacity or another that weren't there the year before. And why did that happen? Well, because the team drafted well, or they found the right free agents to pick. They, they got the right coach, and he, he established the right culture. Or they cut down on the bad parts of their game, and they really figured out how to get the most out of the players that they have. What about the fans of those teams? How many big Patriot fans do you really know? or Warriors fans, or Yankees fans. You know, you can name these big powerhouse teams from every sport that are almost always winning and almost always going to the final round, and you'll find a lot of people are their best fan, quote-unquote, but they're really not. They're only following when it's good. The disciples knew, the apostles knew, that not everyone was going to follow Jesus just because it was the right thing to do. Some people would not want to follow Jesus, and there wouldn't be a ton of laborers. There wouldn't be a lot of people who would buy in and do what needs to be done because they are not willing to. And that brings us to the third thing even that occurred. They're told that some people wouldn't obey, even though you preach to them even though you give them the truth, even though you show them, here's what needs to be done. It's so simple. But some won't obey. In Matthew 10, Jesus begins in verse 7 by saying, the kingdom of heaven is, ha- is at hand. You preach that when you go. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. When you go into a household, greet it. If a household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And notice this. Whoever will not receive you or hear your words... When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Doesn't that sound harsh? You know what it really appears to be saying there? It is not our job to save everybody. It's not. Because we won't. We can't. But it is our job to simply give everyone we can an opportunity to become a Christian. And that's all Jesus asked his disciples to do. The apostles, you go into a city, give them a chance. If they accept it, let your peace come upon it. Wonderful. If they reject it, shake off the dust and find another city. The apostles understood that not everyone that they were going to preach and teach to would become Christians, but they sure gave them a chance to. 
Paul was a great example of this, where he would stand before powerful people in powerful positions, and he would give them the gospel just like he would give anybody else, and he would be told on more than one occasion, you almost got me, or I'll send away for you at another convenient time. Not everybody's going to obey. But many that hear the truth might. And isn't it worth giving as many people the truth as possible? I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of Far Better. In our final episode of this week, we're going to talk about why we need to imitate these examples or the fact that we should imitate these examples. But until then, I hope we please God now so our eternity is far better.